Welcome to the Venture Church Podcast of Venture Church in South Mississippi. Find out more about us at VentureChurch.org. Well, listen, welcome wherever you are this morning and 1130 crowd. Thank y'all for being here at 1130. And I want to ask you to do something. Stone County Hunt Club, all of us together, we've had an amazing worship set this morning. These guys have been leading worship. We had seven baptisms today. Can we celebrate that just before we go any farther? What a way to start the 1130 experience. And so, man, it's been a good morning. But listen, this has been a crazy week. And you know this, on Tuesday, we all went to the polls. And the last 60 days, 90 days, the candidates have had to do their best to win our votes. And like all of you, we all know this. If there's one thing we have in common or if there's one thing we agree on today, it's that the political culture is toxic. I mean, there's just no other way to put it. The political culture is not one that we want to replicate. For years, politicians have been saying one thing and they've been doing another. For years, politicians of one party have been bashing politicians of the other party. And for years, we've looked at our kids and said, hey, politicians can't be trusted. Now, if that is something that we agree on today, let me ask you this. What about the status of the Christian culture? Is it really that different? For years, Christians have said one thing and then they've done another. For years, leaders in Christian churches have bashed other denominations. And for years, we've looked at our kids and said, you can't trust a preacher. So how do we begin to change the culture? Not only is the political culture toxic, but many of you are here today. You're at one of our campuses or you're watching today because you have been hurt or burned by the church and the culture of the church. Well, you have come on the right day, and we've made it to the book of the Bible that speaks to that directly because we've made it to the book of James. And I love the book of James, maybe because it's short, maybe because it's practical. And the book of James is like a punch in the gut. When you read the book of James, you're going, oh my gosh, how does he know this is something I struggle with? Uh, James doesn't introduce any new theology throughout the book. Instead, he just says simply, would you practice what you preach? James is writing to a church. This is crazy, right, that this fits this time so well. He's writing to a church that's scattered. Persecution has happened, and so they have scattered all over geography, geography, but they've also scattered emotionally. And man, that is a picture of who we are as a church today. About 50% of our church is back in the building. The other half you're watching today from a soccer field, or you're watching on a smartphone, you're watching in your den right now, and you've got your family and friends around. And we have been scattered And God is going to use this season to do something special. And I believe he's going to use it to use you and to use me to change the culture. But how do we do that? Let's read about it. Here we go. We're in James 5, and we're going to start with verse 7. Here it is. It says, be patient. I could probably stop right there. Be patient, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crops? Patiently waiting For the autumn and the spring rains. You too, be patient. Stand firm. The Lord's coming is near. A lot of you have been asking that. Is the Lord coming? Is this the Lord coming? Well, the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against one another, Republicans and Democrats, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Verse 13. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone among you happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them. Verse 15, the prayers offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, 
confess your sins to each other, pray for each other, and then you will be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful. It's effective. My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back, remember, whoever turns a sinner from the error of their ways will save them from death and will cover over a multitude of sins. Here we go. Three things we can do to begin to change our culture, and that is the one thing we all agree on right now, is that our culture needs to change. James says, first, practice patience. Gosh, that's hard. It's difficult to be patient. I struggle with that. Patience is long obedience in the same direction. Patience is putting things in eternal perspective. In the middle of an election cycle, it seems like we want to do everything in four-year terms. We want to change health care, make it new every four years. We want to change the way we look at different policies. Let's try to do it all again in four years. We think about high school in four years. We think about college in four years. We think about a season of life. That's a newlywed. Or we think we're in our first marriage and it only lasts four years. We think of things in seasons, but God says, no, listen, I don't want you to think that way. Instead, I think about things when it comes to nations and it comes to generations. You think right here, right now, I think long term. I love this quote. It's from Matthew Kelly in the book, The Long View. It says, most people overestimate what they can do in a day, and they underestimate what they can do in a couple of months. We overestimate what we can do in a year, and we underestimate what we can accomplish in a decade. We think, come back to church, God thinks, I want to change a community. And it starts with patience. I started thinking, and I wanted to be real practical right here and go, hey, here's how you can be more patient. And it really hit me, the way that we become more patient is we learn to be patient with ourselves. You ever thought about that? If I'm going to have what I need to be patient with you, then first I've got to remember that it took you being patient with me. And I forget how much patience I require. My family has to be patient with me. I can be frustrating. I have to learn to be patient with me. I disappoint me sometimes. Right? Why do I still think this way? Why do I still act this way? Why does my mind still go there? And I get frustrated with me. Can I tell you this? Some of you, you need to fire you. And you need to hire God. What a great hire. Someone that would speak into you and say, hey, no, no, no. You're the right one for that restaurant. You're the right one to run that team. You can do this. You're the right one for that classroom. You're the right student to begin to make a change in that culture. You're the one that I've chosen to do this. You're to be a light in that world, and I'm going to give you everything you need. I have wired you the way you are specifically because I need you and your gifts to run that business. I need you and your gifts to run that home. And instead of beating up ourselves and trying to change ourselves, we lean into this is who God has made and how he has wired me, and it was for a purpose. I'm a masterpiece. That's what God says about you. You are my beloved. And before we can be patient with others, we've got to be patient with ourselves. Some of you, you're going to have to forgive yourself. And then we get into Scripture. James 5, 7. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and the spring rains. Once we become patient with ourselves, then we become patient with others. And that is so hard. I get it. It makes me think about that scripture. It makes me think about August. August in Hattiesburg or on the coast or in Stone County, it's miserable. It's hot. And it's already been a hot June and a pretty hot July. And then August comes, and it's like a season that will never pass. And as soon as I say that, some of you go, man, I know this person in my life. And it's like they're in a season that will never pass. And you're getting frustrated. And I don't blame you. 
Because some of you, men, it's a child, it's a husband, it's a wife, it's a parent, it's a classmate, it's a business partner that you've been praying for and you've tried to be patient with, but you don't see anything change in their life. And you're going, will this ever change? Maybe it's a colicky baby. Ooh, bless you. Maybe you're home right now and you're quarantined and you're home with a teenager. Bless you. Maybe you've got aging parents. It's difficult. And what we're hearing today is he's saying, I want you to be patient. The season will change. Don't give up too soon. At Lincoln Road right now, there's one of my good friends on the front row. His story is that he came and went. He said, I cheated the church for years. I dropped my kids off and I went home and I left. Now he opens the doors and he closes the doors almost every Sunday because something changed in his life and his family is so glad that they didn't give up. They didn't stop believing in him until they saw something change. I don't know who's in your life right now, but this message is for you to say, don't give up too soon. Don't miss the miracle. God is still at work. Borry someone else's faith. Maybe for you it's your child and you wish God would change your life. Borry the faith that you saw at the baptism today. That could be you. That could be them. Pray that. Don't give up too soon. Don't give up before the miracle. Your legacy in life, I love this. It might not be something you do. It might be someone you don't give up on. I think it's easier to do things and accomplish things than it is to not give up on people that I love. But maybe God's put them in your life so that you could continue to breathe hope to give them a reason to keep going because you haven't stopped believing. He says not only do you have to be patient with yourself, then you can be patient with others. And then James would say, would you be patient with this world? It's not your own. It's not your home. He'd say, hey, listen, be patient because it's so frustrating here because you weren't meant to stay here forever. Don't you love the verse in Philippians that says we are citizens where? In heaven. We forget that. Because we're a citizen, we get the right to vote. And because we care and we should care, we lean into politics and we lean into policies. And that's not bad. That's what we should do. But we shouldn't lose perspective that this isn't our home. This week, it was such good timing for me because I was a little bit consumed with the red states and the blue states and the count and... It just so happened that this week at soccer practice, I got to sit down with a little fourth grade girl and hear about how she'd given her life to Christ. And she began to talk to me and ask me about if there are streets of gold in heaven. I don't know. Scripture says I think there are. But everything in me changed in that moment because I got perspective. Because this little girl was thinking about her home. She was thinking about where she's going to be a citizen of. And I began to tell her, hey, listen, you're living for something different. And it reminded me I needed that maybe more than she needed that. To be reminded that where we put our hope is not in an elected official or a party or a policy. Where we put our hope is in heaven. It's where we're going. It's where our home is. That's why we are citizens of heaven. You know this. You're only here for a short term. It's a work visa. Ah, go policy on you. You've been given a work visa. And you've been given a work visa to stay at work. And your work is to lead people to know, love, and follow Jesus. That's why we're here. It's only for a short term. And that's our, uh, that's our visa. That's our goal. Don't miss that. Finally, he says, he also says, James says, if we're going to change the culture, we've got to practice prayer and praise. We've got to practice prayer and praise. Now, now when you hear that, I know it's like I'm at church. Or, or yeah, you're going to tell me I need to pray more and praise more. 
No, 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 let me, let me, let me get you here. I, I remember in, in high school, I went to Hattiesburg High, and uh, we, there was our, our, our trainer at Hattiesburg High, goes to church here, and I love him, he's a great guy. But you would go see him with an injury, and it would be like a Dak Prescott ankle injury. Did y'all see that? Brutal. I mean, your ankle could be turned backwards and hanging on barely. And he'd look at it and say, I think you need to probably put a little ice on it and elevate it. And you're like, bro, I'm hanging on by a thread here. Ice and elevate? A couple of Advil, you'll be fine. I started thinking because I feel like sometimes we've done that as a culture of Christians. Man, your life's falling apart. Just show up at church, two songs and a prayer, you'll be fine. I don't know that that's what people need right now. I don't know that the answer is just two songs of prayer, maybe an offering. James is saying, no, that's not it. The answer is you and me getting in people's lives and understanding their struggle and caring for them. One of the best ways God has used COVID is to show us that our hope is not in a building. It's in people that are investing in other people's lives. He says, listen, that's the kind of culture that I want to see happen. I want to see people that are caring for each other, that are loving each other, that are investing in each other's lives. And he says there's an open invitation to continue that it's like a two-way street where you lean into them and they share with you what's going on in your life. And you can't do that on your own. And so James says you're going to have to practice prayer outside of Sunday morning. Now, I'm not trying to make you feel guilty. I'm just saying, if we're going to change the culture, James says it's too hard to do on your own no matter how strong you are, no matter how many resources you have. Instead, you're going to have to stay connected with me because I'm going to give you vision to not give up on your husband. I'm going to give you vision to not give up on your wife. I'm the one that's going to put a vision in your mind, and I'm going to give you hope when you lose it, and I'm going to give you strength. But the only way you're going to connect with that is if you practice prayer and praise outside of Sunday morning. What's that look like for you? Again, this isn't a guilt trip. This is just, hey, if you're running low on patience, he says, here's how we can have more. There's an open invitation. Invite me into your struggle. That's where I want to be. How do you do that during the week? I'll tell you one of the things I've been doing is I like to run. And so while I'm running, it's a time that I begin to pray. It looks really weird. People pass me, and it's like, who's he talking to? But it's okay. Because for me, it's a way to connect. Maybe for you, it's a blessing. Maybe for you, you pray before you go to bed. That doesn't work for me. I fall asleep. Maybe for you, there's a night of the week that you just bring your family together and you say, hey, tell me what you're facing. Hey, fourth grader, what's going on in your life? How can we pray? Hey, baby, tell me about what's work like for you. How can we pray? And you just pray over your family at one point. Maybe it's a husband and wife to come together. Maybe it's roommates that are watching and you're dealing with relationships and school and all the different things that are going on in your life. And you just say, hey, let's use this night to pray for each other. Maybe for many of you, I know for me and my family, it's been house church on Wednesday where we get around other people in a circle, just need a knee, and we talk about, hey, what's going on in your life? How can we pray for you? Now, one of the things I love the most about it is my sixth grader, he hears another man pray. And my fourth grade little girl hears another mom talk about the struggles that they're dealing with, and then they hear her pray. And it's a way that we, listen, this is so good, it's a way that we borrow each other's faith. Because I need that. And I need to hear. I need to hear that because it convicts me. I've got a friend of mine. The one thing he prays all the time is that his friends would have one, his kids would have one friend that leads them in the right direction. Boy, I stole that. I pray that all the time now. But I didn't get that until I was in community with other people that are practicing prayer and praise. You don't have to be weird about it. You're just intentional. 
I was at house church and I was convicted. Man, I'm hearing another man pray for his wife. And it made me think, how am I doing in that? How am I doing praying for Katie? I thought, man, I, I want to be a man that leads her by praying for her. Begin to try to change how I pray for them. But that happens. Iron sharpens iron when we're in community together. Just yesterday I did a wedding. It was a beautiful wedding. They come to our church. It's just an incredible couple. I really love getting to know them. But one of my favorite moments was right before the bride came out, we just gathered around and we prayed for her. This was a big moment in her life. She was about to walk down the aisle. She was with the people that love her. But we just paused and said, God, we need you in this moment. We're nervous. We're tense. Everybody's going to be looking at us. God, give us strength. Man, would you make prayer and praise kind of an everyday overflow of your heart, a part of your routine, because it's going to help you in the end. We need this outside of Sunday morning. And, man, we got to keep being patient. I love the example of Peter. Man, I just love Peter because Peter tried everything and he failed at everything. Peter tried to walk on water. What? I mean, how awesome would that be? And then he sank. Peter was right there with Jesus in the, man, the biggest moment of Jesus' life when they're coming to take him to the cross. And Peter rises to the occasion, takes his sword out and takes the man's ear off until Jesus is like, Peter, I can probably handle this on my own. I don't need you to do that. And then Peter has a chance to stand up for Jesus when they're taking him literally to the cross. And Peter does what? He denies him three different times. I think Peter's in the scripture so that we can see, man, Peter required patience. And what I love about it is where we find Jesus. You remember the end where Jesus meets up with Peter? He says, Peter, I'm still not done with you. Knee to knee. I believe in you, Peter. I'm going to build my church on you. Man, that is you and that is me. We require patience. Jesus doesn't give up on us. Let's not give up on each other. But the only way that we can have the patience that we need is if we're plugged into something outside of this experience that's only 45 minutes once a week. We've got to be in a place where we're practicing prayer and praise and we're hearing other people and we're borrowing their faith. We're stealing their prayers. We're plugging them into our lives so that we don't give up, so that we don't get tired. Finally, the last thing James would say, if we're going to change our culture, then we've got to be willing to fight for one another. Listen, you guys are some fighters. I get to watch my fourth grader and my sixth grader play soccer. Just last weekend, I saw moms stand up and throw their cups on the field and say, that's a terrible call. They were fighting for those kids. They were fighting for that third place trophy, sixth grade soccer. I mean, you guys fight. You've seen it this week. We're fighting for votes. We're fighting for states. We're fighting for a fair count and a fair election. We're doing all that we can to influence with our voice, and we are fighting for a cause. Nothing wrong with that. I'm just asking, who are you fighting for in your life? Not on the national scale. Not, not on the soccer game. With the, no, who's the person in your life that God's put in your life that he's saying, hey, he's there, she's there, because you're going to fight for them, and you're not going to give up on them. But what kind of church would that be? If that's what we did, where we locked arms and said, I'm not going to give up on you. I know the world's given up on you, but I'm going to keep pursuing you. Let me tell you what this sounds like. You ready? Therefore, confess your sins to each other, pray for each other, and then you will be healed. Listen, really simple question. All campuses, listen to me. I want you to do this. If you feel like our nation needs to be healed, would you just raise your hand? I can't believe it. It's unanimous. So how do we do that? Well, he says if you, would, if, you'd begin to, if you begin to confess some things that are going on in your life, 
if you'd begin to pray for each other and hear about those struggles and care about those struggles and listen to those struggles, he says, then you will be what? You'll be healed. I'm going to tell you, you can't do that and just come in and come out maybe twice a month. I just don't know if you can do that only watching online. And I'm not telling you you need to compromise your health by coming to a building if that's something that's on your mind. I'm just saying we've got to figure out a model for you where you're known, where you're loved, and where you're cared for, and where you are transparent and you share what's going on in your life so other people can know and pray for you. Without that, I don't know that we can be the church that changes the culture. Without that, I don't know that we're any different than the world that we live in. And I love this quote. It says, the church is the most relevant to the world when it looks the most different from the world. Boy, that's powerful. Saying we are the most effective when we don't look like the world. I got a great story for you. And I want this to encourage you because, Venture, you're so good at this. And I had a chance to go look at another church in Houston a couple of weeks ago. And so we were, we were driving down to get to the airport to fly out there. They do house churches, and we were learning from them. But before we got there, we stopped at a gas station, not in Hattiesburg, not anywhere close to here, just on the way. And before I got into the front doors walking in, there's a lady that came running out of the gas station. And she said, Craig, Craig. And she gave me this massive, uh, very inappropriate COVID hug. It was like, we're not doing this, this, or this. We're hugging, okay? And she was bawling. And she said, I got to tell you what Venture's done for me. She said, when I came to Venture, I didn't have anything. I was in a toxic relationship. I'm a single mom, and I was pregnant with another child. She said, I was in no place to care for my children. I was in no place to care for me. Everything about my life was broken. And she said, now, look at me, Craig. She said, now I have a job. Now I have a place to live. Now I'm safe. Now my kids are growing up to know, love, and follow Jesus. It's because of what Venture did for me. Listen, the world had given up on her, but you fought for her. And it hit me in that moment. That's the win for the church. It's not a full building. It's not an Easter Sunday where we all wear a bonnet. It's a place where we fight for one another. It's a place where we're patient for one another. It's a place where we practice prayer and praise all through the week because we're not going to give up and we need help to make it through the week. I said, may that be the church that we are where we're known for what we're for, not for what we're against. And so I want you to do this. I want you to bow your heads with me. And I want to pray for you, but before we pray, I want to speak into the two of the things particularly. And, and the first is patience. Would you think in your mind right now who you need patience for? If they're sitting right next to you, don't, don't hit them or anything. But I, I, I want to pray, and I want you to have just a minute to pray that God would give you patience with them. God give you a perspective. God would give you a vision so that you don't give up on them. Maybe it's a season of life you're in where you need to be patient. Maybe it's a person that's in your life. Maybe it's a job. And then I want to I ask you to think about maybe there's someone in your life that you need to fight for. I don't know. I don't know what it is. But maybe God's put someone in your life. Maybe it's a student Maybe it's a, a family member 
that this is a morning that God's trying to give you perspective and energy. And he's giving, just giving you a piece to not give up, to not only have patience, but then to say, hey, listen, I'm going to fight for this person that's in my group. I'm going to fight for this single mom. She needs some help right now. Hey, I'm going to fight for this child of mine, even though they don't deserve it right now. Let me pray for you. God, I thank you that you, you don't stop giving us patience. That, God, you are so patient with us as we struggle, even as we make mistakes. That, God, you never give up on us. Can I just thank you for that? God, I want to thank you that even in the moment when you were on the cross, when it was hard to stay there, nothing about that was convenient. God, you fought for us. Because you knew, God, we had to have you. You are the only way that we can be with you forever and eternity. And we're stuck in this world where we need patience, where we need vision. Where, God, we don't want to conform to the world. We want to be different. And, God, that's when we stand out the most. And I pray we would be a church that fights for the people that we love. It doesn't give up on people. But that God gives them patience. God, we don't have that, but you do. Would you just overflow our hearts with vision, with peace, and with patience for the people that we love? It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for the Venture Church Podcast. To find a campus near you, check out VentureChurch.org.